Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your resident optimistic nihilist. Reminding you every day of your mortality and the urgency to get your titty sucked before the apocalypse <laughs> swallows us whole. And I'm with the beautiful Flex. Uh, I'm only here to encourage you to critically think and to facilitate your own nut and to stop being a dumb bitch full time. Love it. In summary, we're here to facilitate our own nuts. We're here to get our titty sucked and we're here to seek out pleasure and growth with our chests. Updates. Well, first update is that we are officially on Twitter. We're on Twitter as Bobo and Flex. So make sure to head over to Twitter and follow us and tweet at us and yell at us and tell everyone to follow us on Twitter because that's just what we're doing. We also have a Facebook page, um, Bobo and Flex. We also have a YouTube channel and we have an Instagram page called Bobo and Flex. We're just on every single social media platform imaginable. So, like, follow us on everything and support us on Patreon. Please and thank you. The work doesn't stop. I wanted to come here with a bit of an update for you all. Um, Mm. First things first, I'm unwell. So maybe by the time you hear this, I won't have the flu anymore, but any expressions of sympathy will be well received. Number two. (laughs) You have to ask (laughs) and thou shalt receive or whatever Jesus said. (laughs) Number two. um, I want to give a shout out to our male audience. Bobo did a post. Was it you, Bobo, who did a post asking about the men who, who listened to the potty? Oh, yes. I was like, where y'all at? Yeah. Where are you? We see you. Obviously, we prioritize our femmes, female identifying, you know, our non-binary, our trans folk. Yeah. But, men, we see you, especially the straights. You're accounted for. I know. Honestly, you're brave for being here. Oh. Like, how many straight, hetero, just cis men can manage brave and smart. I feel like there's literally like like five men following me because it's a lot you know it's just a lot brave and smart and I really enjoy it because it reflects my own friendship circles in real life um so that's mm. incredible and number three I want to give a quick shout out to you all and the feedback you've given us on the dating series yay it was nice to try something new and have it be so well received. Avi, you guys yeah. loved, you people, sorry, loved episode four on how to have the best sex and episode five on toxic relationships. So shout out to you. We want to yep. try and get back to talking about real shit that's in center dating, sex, and getting your nut all the time. So we're going to be doing that more yeah. often. And yes, is this number four or number five? Number four. Um... M- mm. My tips worked on dating because guess who got herself a man, bitch? I'm getting married <gasps> bitch, tomorrow, tell us, bitch. No, no, tell no. Tell us everything. That's a sneak peek for the, you. That's a sneak peek. We've got Q&A to do. if I don't see a baby picture in the next two months. The way I'm trying to flex this baby and this dog, trying to get this nuclear family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I I'm so can't hyped. I stand <clears throat> So, and so I'm flying to Sydney right now. Absolutely. To... I don't say shit just to say shit. We're out here doing experiments. <laughs> I love it. Can you at least like give us a hint on how you achieved this? Like what the was same the shit point? I was saying in the podcast. Being turbo, being vulnerable, yes. and ver- being very, very clear and specific about what you're looking for and expressing all of those things immediately. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Look, let me tell so you. So now none of you have any excuses no. to be like, I'm lonely. I just can't find the person that I want to find. Your tips don't work. Hmm? No, no, no. In this big 2019 with this big planet in this big ass galaxy. <laughs> this big dying planet. You, you know, go find your mans. Go find your woman. Go find everyone. 
Amen. And so let us get on to the Q&A. Okay, I'm back. I'm here naked and podcasting. I feel so free. I love it. Oof. I know. I'm in my pajamas. This is the best job in the world. <laughs> God, what did I do to deserve this? Um, let's start. Yeah, let's start with our Q&A. So we're concluding our da- our five-part, although it was more of a six-part dating series. We're concluding our dating series with a Q&A. We've gone ahead and asked you for questions, for your love and relationship questions. And then we picked out the ones that we haven't addressed in the episodes thus far. But I want to start with just like a general one. Someone asked us both, what are your types? Do you have a type? Um, what do you look for when you're dating? Which I feel like is particularly relevant right now that Flex has found a man, a husband. Mm. Is he your type, would you say? Yeah, Like, did you see him and were just like, you know what, this is it? Yeah, saw him and was instantly wet. But I had to, a goal for this um, year was to start picking types, picking types, sorry, based on character traits or personality traits or like foundational Mm. things as opposed to aesthetic. So I really wanted someone who, you know, has grown up around women. (laughs) Somebody who has friends of the opposite gender. Somebody who um, is an ally of all sorts, whatever that looks like for mm. them. Somebody who um, is a great communicator, an open communicator, really vulnerable, emotionally intelligent, like EQ off the charts. Somebody with yeah. an interest or an understanding of, of alternate alternate spirituality. So I can't be dealing with uh, with people who are like, astrology isn't real, manifesting is fake. Like I get it, but Listen. also leave it at the door. Um, yeah. Things like that. Those are just really important to me because, and then ambition and like, you know, being successful and stuff. But those things were great benchmarks for building a relationship on top of. I can imagine if any of those things weren't aligned, it'd be very hard to connect with someone in the way I wanted to. And, Mm. you know, it's 2019. I needed to stop making space for subpar people for me. I can acknowledge that somebody is a great person generally, but if we aren't compatible even though compatibility is sometimes a bit of a a myth and an agenda, then what am I doing? You know, I'd rather be watching TV. No, I agree with you. I think, yeah, I think we have the same type because I don't think I have an aesthetic type really, Um, except in 2019, tall men are where it's at. But outside of that, like, I don't really think I have an aesthetic type, but everything you mentioned is me as fuck as well. Um, ambition is so important. Just someone who is like, like pursuing something that's outside of themselves. I love that. Um, someone who's open-minded, someone Mm. who can teach me shit. Like if I can't learn from you and that's my standard for friendship as well. Like I've lost so many friends this year, but I'm so grateful for it because my friend circle now is so lit and so like overwhelmingly good. Um, don't make space for dumb bitches. Don't make space for people with problematic politics, oppressive politics, and mm. just someone that I can laugh with. Like humor and fun is so important. So someone that I can just do dumb shit with. That's that's my type. Absolutely. It's not too much to ask the person you're going to choose to spend so much of your life with is compatible with you in ways that are beneficial to you. It really isn't too much to ask. And I think if we start navigating all our relationships with that in mind and start acknowledging that it's a privilege to be able to connect with somebody in that way. Exactly. The results speak for themselves. Yeah. And it's just important to remember that like you actually don't have to settle because the person you're looking for exists like craziest shit has happened you know like you don't Mm -hmm. have to settle just because you're scared that you won't find the one Mm. and to counter that point also the odds of you finding somebody perfect for you in the stage of life that you're at in the stage of life that you will be in is unlikely it's going to take a little bit of work to find somebody who's willing to change or uh evolve at a pace that you're evolving at. So I wouldn't be too concerned with trying to find someone who's perfect for you now at 45. That's not it. What's that saying? Perfection is paralysis. There's something there. I've never heard of that, but I like it. Yeah, I would say don't pursue perfection. Pursue fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Fulfillment is always better. 
But let's move on to our second question. This one is racial fetishism versus personal preference. I've had friends say things like, "I love me some big built Polynesian men, so they can dominate me," or even boys. I say boys, not men. Say, I only date South Asian women for that tight pussy, and because oh. they're submissive as hell, like absolute oh. trash comments. Wow. I've been in countless situations where I've been interested in men who, on the first date, say some shit like, "I don't date my own race. Them women are crazy. I prefer white blonde chocolate women." Huh? Can hey, you we white blonde and chocolate? <laughs> hey, <laughs> wait, like, is it? You know what? Oh, she says okay because she's a brown mixed race girl. Oh, okay. so give me them honey blonde curls and then, okay, I understand. I see. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack this? And then the follow-up question is, is it possible to be in an intimate relationship of any kind with a white boy without mm-hmm. this being inherent in the social power structure or circumstance? Can white boys ever be trusted to not fetishize? And can we ever be trusted to not see white boys in a certain way that make us feel like they give us access to privilege or worse, see them as the standard of attractiveness simply for being white? Wow. Woof. There was a word on somebody's spirit. There was really, that one was a passionate one. <laughs> that one came from a place. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> wow well since you are the queen of dating white boys white men right um, to mine babes okay i think when it comes to preferences versus racial uh fetishization you need to be mindful of what their <clears throat> i guess what their <clears throat> proximity to race has been throughout their life yeah i mean if your if your interaction with race has only been through you know media or through porn or um, through stereotypes and of course there's going to be some concern with how this person approaches you as a real person outside of that yes. stereotype but yeah. if this person has been you know intermingling with th- your specific race or races in general throughout their whole life then it, I think it's safe to say that there probably is a genuine attraction you need to be also mindful that your sexual attraction um, develops at a very young age, like five or six. So Ooh. you don't have that much control over who and what you find sexually attractive. Granted, you can do some some um, internal re- rewiring. That's whatever. But you, on a day-to-day basis, your pheromones, your chemical makeup, all that shit is kind of doing a lot of the work for you. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Bobo and I talked about this in a couple episodes ago, about this self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are entering these... Uh, dare I say interracial dynamics assuming that you are going to be the victim or the person who is the subject of fetishization that probably will be your outcome (laughs) I mean um, and a great a great way to to mitigate that is to approach the people you're dating with that in mind you know ask them what their proximity to in I think in this person's case blackness has been I asked my boyfriend if if, if his family was racist just to suss it out (laughs) wait okay so you guys are dating this isn't even like courting hey look listen didn't I tell you you said I would end up in McDonald's so I said <laughs> let me get that allowance let me try, I'm trying listen, to be <laughs> I stand we stand hey I love it I love we it we stand so yeah in that in that instance you know it's really naive and it's very dangerous territory to make a presumptions on whether or not you're being fetishized or profiled or your partner has a preference just based on your presumptions of, of how they're consuming you so you have to ask are you racist is your family racist do you have any friends of my you know racial background yeah. do you have any ethnic oh friends God. how do you perceive so and so what stereotypes do you think would be associated with my ethnicity yeah oh my god you actually can't we, we don't have time to be scared to ask the hard no. questions like you have to ask them the world and is ending the literally hey guys the world is ending hey <laughs> and i also feel like if you if you bring up the topic of race with someone and they're uncomfortable, that's already a red flag and it's already going to be a waste of time to engage further. Like, I understand how race can be affronting as a topic, but in big 2019, like, if you don't have the ball sacks to discuss race 
and how we all navigate race in our day-to-day lives like you're just you you will end up in mcdonald's so (laughs) that being said like my (laughs) the last time i engaged with a white guy actually every white person i meet i'm always like so how do you feel about black people like like i just you just have to ask the questions the last white guy that i engaged i was just like do you have any internalized biases against black people and we discussed it you know so stay ready stay ready you know if we are gonna use our googles as i do suggest we do often um wikipedia a very trusted website (laughs) says that racial fetish fetishism is having a strong preference for any race or ethnic group. So if your person you're dealing with does, then yeah, simple. Yeah. Let's not try and make things more complicated than they are. Obviously, a lot of things do require nuance, but if it smells like it being fetishized and it looks like it and it feels like it and you have to question it, then and you're not willing then to have a is. conversation, then one would yeah. presume it is. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah, if he's asking you to shake in a cheetah print, <laughs> a cheetah print and kente cloth bikini, if he's asking to play Bob Marley in the background as if he he's beats your ass cheeks like some bongo drums, then it's a fetish. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like Rastafari. He looks yeah, Ghanaian. Like... He's like, yes, Rastafari. <laughs> I'm from Africa. <laughs> oh my god, don't trigger me. If he's wearing hey, if he's wearing a dashiki and he's Caucasian, mm. my friend, you need to run. <laughs> you have to go. Just or you could stay and suss it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> could he not be like you know what? let me not get into it. Justify this. Look, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's all a bit of fun enjoy yourself enjoy yourself (laughs) but another part of the question was can it ever be just a preference like can someone genuinely be like no i don't do black girls the majority of people do (laughs) (laughs) let's not play like we're in a post-racial society (laughs) and everyone's (laughs) at the same level of attractiveness to everyone don't play yourself you've seen love island yeah listen (laughs) (laughs) don't get me started do not Mm. get yeah but people try to justify that as well that's just my preference like i'm not racist but i feel like there's a power dynamic i don't think any of us can escape social conditioning like Mm -hmm. unless you literally grew up in the amazon jungle away from mass media and like western society there's no escaping racial biases and racial social conditioning but I do understand if a black person is like, no, I don't date white people because like whiteness can be affronting and it can just be like triggering depending on how they grew up, where they grew up, what their experience with whiteness has been. But I find it extremely dubious when people of color don't date across the color lines. And I find it dubious when white people don't date anyone outside of their race like how can that not be racist i mean we've got to remember in places like america wasn't interracial dating illegal like less than 50 years ago yeah we haven't really (laughs) progressed that far (laughs) like history was literally yesterday yeah so it's you know those people who were um you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Those people who are perpetuating those standards are probably still alive today. You know, that's your grandparents, your great grandparents who are instrumental in your upbringing. So yeah, shit's wild. I will say I want everybody to start to display a little bit more autonomy when it comes to decision-making for things like this. Mm. We could only tell you so much that, you know, these certain behaviors look like you know fetishization and these ones don't but in your specific situation it's important that you use your own you know wiles and figure this shit out yeah i hope we're really not the first people you're coming to for advice and topics like these Mm -mm. at least you know you know put 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 some learning into practice and then come back and be like i tried it this is the conversation i had i didn't get the answer i was looking for what would you suggest yeah a challenge for anyone of color who's listening to this ask your white kings 
about their thoughts on race like ask them about their experiences with race how they perceive black women asian women like just ask just have a genuine conversation about race with your white king and then report back to the facebook group and mm-hmm. let us know how that went i'd be really curious to hear i would pose i would ask everyone to do that race aside i feel like yeah. You know, if you were in a white-on-white dynamic, I would love to know if your partner <laughs> is, oh, yeah. is on that I don't see color shit or if they understand that post-racial ideals aren't really, con- like, <laughs> conducive for a better environment for people of color. Yeah. And then I'm also interested in knowing why white women are at war with white men. Yeah. Um, I want to know what's what's happening. Please let us know in the Facebook group. <laughs> what have yeah. white men done to you guys? Mm-hmm. Let us know. Reaching out. Oh, white men on white men. <laughs> I posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So um, there's this uh, person on Twitter called Shard, and they're at a jungle. Was it a jungle pussy concert? I'm not sure. A gig yeah. of some sort. Um, and they'd taken a photo of somebody's phone, and this person was texting. And the text said something to the effect of, oh, my goodness, I'm standing between two white guys. Ugh. And the person responded and said, babe, you are a white guy. <laughs> and the person was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean I want to be standing between two white guys. It's ruining my vibe. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's white on white crime. <laughs> I'm screaming. That's really like race relations summarized. Absolutely. In 2019. I'm calling the police. <laughs> white men, please explain yourself. Absolutely. Let us know what's really good. Like what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, this next question here, how do you trust new partners after being cheated on by multiple ex-partners? How do you silence the hurricane of anxious thoughts when anything even remotely suspicious happens or when nothing suspicious happens and you just get anxious anyway? Can I do a quick caveat? Yeah. (laughs) Just to discuss what we were speaking about earlier, um, in regards to the poll you did on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've had some feedback that the podcast has become very dating and relationship centric. Not necessarily the podcast, but the Facebook the group Facebook associated group. with the podcast. So yeah. a lot of Tinder screenshots, a lot of dating queries, and so on and so forth. And Bobo yeah. expertly said that what <laughs> what gets posted in the group is what people are interested in. So <laughs> in, <laughs> in response, Bobo created a poll and asked everybody what they wanted to discuss more of. And ironically, people want to discuss psychology and the human condition the most and sex and dating the least. I think that's odd, considering (laughs) every question we have here is about sex and dating. Yeah. But everybody swears they want to talk about psychology. So my sermon for the day is be consistent. It is okay (laughs) to be layered. But please don't come... Do they come for these people in the group talking about you want to speak more about the human condition and pull through with yet another dating query? We're happy to answer this shit, but don't pretend it's us flogging this on you. The dating series was in response to all the questions we get about dating. I, for one, thought we'd be done talking about dating for a little while. But FYI, we speak about what gets suggested to us. Yeah. We rarely go off the cuff anymore. So if you want to hear more about things that aren't about sex and dating, then you must tell us or ask us, please. Yeah, and be specific. And also remember that, like, this podcast isn't for us. No. And neither is the Facebook group. Like, we're just as part of that community, probably less than you guys. Mm, Absolutely. So it's not something that is that you are just inside it's not a community that you exist inside it's a community that you're all actively creating equal members yeah it's a democracy over here we're not dictators i would guarantee there are people in the group who know more about the group dealing than i do just by being in it being across everybody's stuff and that is absolutely fantastic but keep in mind that Bobo and I are not leaders of the group and so we can't dictate what happened in the group. We can only suggest, you know, anonymous posting or we can suggest, um, you know, removing um, identifiable details when you're screenshotting people, things like that. But about the conversation that you choose to have, welcome to what happened before we had that group. It was all of you in our DMs talking about, here's a screenshot, here's a meme, here's a query. Help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. (laughs) And now you know how it feels. <laughs> so enjoy that and self-manage. Be autonomous. If you see something that you don't like, address it 
or scroll on and post more of what you do like. Or like come up with active solutions on how to fix the problem. Yeah. So for example, if I know so there is a, a thread currently in our Facebook group discussing how it is counterproductive to stoop to the level of, you know, a lot of cis hetero men Facebook groups that just rag on women all day and, you know, make fun of their profiles and stuff. Absolutely. Like that yeah. shit is tired, I understand. But it is counterproductive to not offer a solution. And also, I've seen our Facebook group, nobody or very, no, let me not speak in imperatives. Very few people are <laughs> engaging on queries that aren't about sex and dating. Yeah. Look at those analytics, babies. When we're talking about politics, when we're talking about ethical porn, when we're talking about, you know, career woes, when we're talking about how to navigate tyrannical bosses, it's quiet. It is. And maybe it's quiet because people are shy to engage. I I don't know what it is. I'm I'm honestly because I also asked in the poll, do you ever at any point feel deterred to post anything, either because you feel shamed or judged, or whatever the case might be? So this is all really interesting. Yeah, and if you it's one of those things that keep coming through with suggestions on how we can make the group better but as the group gets bigger and bigger it's so important that you have to self-regulate how much you engage with it if it becomes toxic you should leave and if it becomes a place that's conducive to growth and discussion then you should stay and take it upon yourself to cliche quote be the change you want to see because it's not up to Bobo and I to whip everyone into shape and say you know these topics are what these topics are worthy of nuanced discussion. You know, who's mm. to say talking about dating all day is not the kind of, um, you know, like self-fulfilling, you know, intellectual discussion that some person needs. Maybe yeah. we don't all have the range to talk about the universe and, you know, astronomy. And like psychology. Yeah. But yeah, the moral of the story is post what you would like to see, be the change you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, whatever you see on your feed is just generated by the Facebook algorithm, which goes by what's most popular instead of like chronologically. And one last note, it's very dangerous for Bobo and I to start trying to appease every single person in that Facebook group. It's literally impossible and it becomes a space that just perpetuates our own ideals and that's what we want. We are not the mayor of this community. It's very important that the community is reflective of the people who are in it. Yeah. And so what we have is now that. So if you want to change the standard, then you need to do that yourself yeah and also like the group is growing we're now almost at six thousand people so just remember that there are six thousand personalities Mm -hmm. in one group if you can just imagine a room of six thousand people yeah like how would you navigate that space like everyone is different everyone needs something different everyone responds differently some people are soft some people are hard some people are turbo some people are slow burns it's just like a melting pot of personalities and characters that have all come together for some commonality, which I'm not actually sure what that is. So let us know also. (laughs) (laughs) But there must be like something about what we talk about that's brought everyone to the group. Like there must be like some common, which I'm quite curious to know what that is. I mean, it was was my understanding that we made the group to continue discussions like this. It wasn't meant to become you know, a dear diary, it was meant to have, it was meant to be a space for critical discussion. So, you know, instead of listening in and being like, oh my God, I have something to say about, you know, this conversation on spirituality and I can't just tell my friends who don't listen to the podcast, I'll have it in the podcast. Mm. I mean, the Facebook group. That was the aim. But naturally, you know, we can only do so much. I mean, I'm sure the majority of people don't even see when we post. So, I mean, seeing what the group's become maybe that's the purpose of it now and if you want the group to change then you know what to do yeah it's all flexible (laughs) oh it's chill i mean we personally i mean doesn't bother me what you do in the group the group is made for you yeah so if you don't like it that's my hand wiping my hands clean (laughs) i'm not responsible for how the group's turned out and neither is bobo we're responsible for making sure the podcast reflects what you want to listen to and making sure that all the topics you want to hear are being considered but the group is yours guys like it's your baby it's your business treat it as like your business and all of you have equity in it you're unusual for women (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. All right, let's continue. Love We're it. talking about cheating, weren't we? How do you trust new partners after being cheated on by multiple ex-partners? How do you silence the hurricane of anxious thoughts when anything even remotely suspicious happens? Or when nothing suspicious happens and I get anxious anyway? So it's basically how do you trust... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com after being cheated on by multiple ex-partners i think the thing with trust is that you have to so when someone betrays you right it's not even so much that you stop trusting them it's that you stop trusting yourself you stop trusting your own judgment of people you start doubting and questioning yourself when it comes to romance and so I think the way that you start to trust new partners is by cultivating trust in yourself, by trusting yourself to make the right dating decisions, by trusting yourself to navigate and choose the partner that's good for you. Everything starts with self. So start there. Start with, start by asking yourself, like, do I trust myself to choose the right partner for myself? Because most people honestly don't. And until you have that, like, foundation, it's just, you're just going to be projecting from beginning to end, and you're just going to have trust issues, and then your trust issues become self-fulfilling prophecies, and, and, and. Mm. And it's just also about remem- remembering the past stays in the past, and the future can be completely independent of the past, like, it's up to you. That's a really good answer, Bobo, I like that one. Yeah. I mean, to add on to that, I might suggest working backwards and thinking about what what could your partner even do to make you feel more comfortable and secure? Mm. And if the answer is nothing, then stop villainizing them. Yeah. <laughs> if this really is a you problem and you need to take the time out to, to work within and do some self-work and check in, then, um, I mean, I'm sure many people would suggest that you probably aren't ready to be in a relationship because, unfortunately a lot of transfer of baggage can be happening at the moment um, mm. and your insecurities could be could be sorry um, triggering their insecurities and vice versa you know you can't push anyone to cheat but you can definitely make you know the, the action more plausible by sharing these insecurities so yeah definitely yeah. work back what would make you feel more comfortable and be committed to doing that work or expressing that work um, I also thought to myself like statistically every person you've been on is probably going to cheat on you like in some capacity <laughs> so i'm screaming kinda, well is that not it especially now, yeah, we're, no, yeah. now that we include emotional cheating virtual cheating you know seeking solace intimacy pleasure in other people are all forms of cheating these days because you know mm. they can often be hold more weight than just sex so you know keeping that in mind um has really helped me out um and not not in a whole like i don't really care and just like oh this is a way the world kind of works way yeah um it's a very tricky one i i don't personally suffer with a lot of anxiety so i am hesitant to give you tips on how to manage that because having seen friends you know go through anxious spirals and panic attacks it's just way more serious um than i was aware of so that i can't I can't suggest anything and telling you to go to therapy is just very you know elitist not everyone can afford that so yeah I mean there, there's a lot to do here and a lot to manage but yeah yeah I definitely used to be the type of person that was extremely like I had zero trust in anyone that I was engaging with and I'm not sure if I'm not entirely sure what happened but I think what did help what I know for sure that did help is learning to be vulnerable and like sharing my insecurities because if I can prevent someone triggering me that already alleviates trust issues so much like if I can tell you from the get-go that I grew up being bullied for being dark-skinned so I 
am anxious and I tend to be jealous of lighter skinned women. So therefore, like, tread carefully in that arena. If you can, like, be that vulnerable with your partner, your new partner, so that they know where your insecurities are and they can hold you and they can, like, be gentle with you, it just makes dating so much easier. I feel like ever since I've become more transparent, I've just had less and less trust issues. Absolutely. Oh, and it's a good thing to um, think about how you measure trust. I personally, when I meet new people, I th- my trust meter starts from zero and then mm. I build trust, you know, like 1. Yeah. 1.2 point, 3 point, all the way to, you know, whatever number. But there are some people who allow people who engage with them to start on 100 and then when you you know have a misdemeanor then you lose a point and you lose a point yeah so in your case if you're a person who starts from zero you need to be able to communicate to your partner ways in which you build trust so they yeah. can help you with that process or yeah. if you alternatively start from 100 and your partner has done things to, to make you lose trust well then that's another conversation topic and i think trust is built through intimacy so it's it's gradual it takes time you need to be patient and on one hand you need to work on yourself so that you work on your insecurities and you work on not projecting them on other people and on another hand you need to be with someone who is trustworthy like that's also like another part of the equation so when those two things are in balance you will eventually learn to trust let's move on to the next question let me Mm -hmm. see what about this one this person says how do you argue effectively and solve arguments Mm. love this one (laughs) i love this one too how do you argue effectively i think always argue do i do i want to use the word argue yeah always argue to understand as opposed to win Mm-hmm. Because there's no such thing as winning an argument. Like you're not in a court of law. Like if you're not in a court of law, <laughs> you tried it. like what are you winning here? Like for what? And just realizing that with you and your partner, you both have your two perceptions of a situation and then you have reality. Mm-hmm. So it's about aligning your two perceptions so that they meet with reality as opposed to arguing over whose perception was more true than the others. Because you will argue until you're blue in the face trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. And it's just not about that. Like, argue to understand or communicate to understand and always approach it from a place of love. Like, when you're in a really heated discussion don't just like hang up the phone and go like remind your partner that you still love them but you just can't have the conversation and then revisit when you're calm absolutely um i would start with number one if you were in a (laughs) in a dynamic that is prone to arguing i'd be concerned i love Mm. you know a discussion approaching you know (laughs) a discussion that's you know building conflict and getting over it arguments i'm like that's hectic why are you arguing a lot that's not great yeah Um, i agree as bobo said i think that you your aim should only be to resolve conflict in a way that benefits both parties i have in the past been a very much win-lose arguer like i need to get my point across and i need to win and that's not really conducive because by the end of that you may be over (laughs) you may be over the discussion or over the argument but the other party is now traumatized because you've not considered their feelings and they've lost in, you know, what do you call these air quotations? Yeah. And it's not healthy. I think it's also important that you acknowledge what your argument style is or your conflict style, because Mm. we all assume we're great communicators who, you know, only have a a resolution in mind, but that's not true. So, you know, are you avoiding, you know, are you the type of person who gets approached Uh, with a discussion and then doesn't or pretends to not know what's going on i didn't know i did that what are you talking about oh you like you always do this what's happening do you always speak in imperatives are you like an always never like why that's me (laughs) me too you always do this you're such a i keep um i (laughs) i take bad qualities and turn them into titles for people oh my god you're so you're so messy you're such a messy person (laughs) you're so noisy you're such a noisy person instead of you make noise a lot 
So that's very dangerous. You know, are you... It's a very African thing to do. Oh, come on. I feel like I learned it. It's a cultural thing that was passed down to me that I'm now unlearning. It's a lot. You know, are you accommodating? Are you the person who's yielding to the other side to avoid, you know, further conflicts because you'd prefer Mm. to, you know, compromise your own feelings in favour of them? You know, that's not healthy either. And that can result in a lot of, you know, underlying resentment for the other party and that's not okay. It's so tricky, but I feel like you and your partner or your person or your family member need to have conversations about your argument styles, your conflict styles, and your apology styles well yes. before you're having an argument. So you yeah. can understand where whether the person is you're dealing with is operating out of a place of resolution or just competition. That's very important. And to also acknowledge that, you know, the way you seek to manage a problem isn't going to be universal. And so, mm. you know, perhaps you're the type of person who wants to get it over and done with straight away, but you're dealing with someone who needs time to think, acknowledge that as being legitimate instead of centering what you need in that, <laughs> in that environment. Yeah. yeah. Arguing that's hectic. Please, oh my God. Please manage that. Also, not arguing at all is also hectic. Mm. Like, we should have some conflict. Because I feel like conflict creates growth and understanding. But then there are also those women on Twitter who are like, oh my god, me and my man have been through so much. Oh no. And I... Oh, there's always that woman. Me and my man have been through so much. And I swear it's only made us stronger. Like, yeah, he totally hates me. And, like, he treats (laughs) me like shit. But, like, oh my god. No. Like, that shit isn't cute. I feel like some people take on constant conflict as, like, a a marker of strength. And it's like, no. It's not the the oppression Olympics over here. Like, you shouldn't be fighting all the time like for what Mm -mm. and another tip i'd give for everyone listening is to jump on google or whatever search browser you use because the way i keep plugging google i need a sponsorship (laughs) no they need to sponsor you they need to tree one (laughs) what's that one called anyway bing google Um, has to hire you immediately (laughs) honestly anyway everybody please google logical fallacy logical Mm. fallacy so basically it's an error in common reasoning um essentially when everybody's arguing or um discussing generally logic falls out the window in favor of these biases and so understanding when you fall into one of them is really important so you can pull yourself up instead of damaging the argument so for instance um a formal fallacy, for example, is a breakdown in how you say something. So if your ideas are somehow sequenced incorrectly or their form is wrong, it renders the argument as noise or nonsense. So if I'm having a fight mm. with Bobo about, you know, recording this podcast today, but I start with, you know, the conversation we had at the end and then I go to the beginning and then I jump to the middle, then I go back to the start, then I then all of a sudden the argument seems like it's nonsensical because the order is confusing everybody involved and it sounds like I don't really understand what I'm saying or what I'm mad about. So in that instance, when you are arguing effectively, it's important that you consider the order in which the events had happened. It might not Mm. always be chronological. You might have been triggered by something that happened at the end, but it's important that you can acknowledge yeah the the order that makes sense for both parties or you know you could it could be the an informal fallacy um which denotes an error in what you are saying the content of your argument so the ideas might be arranged correctly but something you said isn't quite right or the content is off kilter so that goes back to when you tell someone you know you always do something or you never do something or you know like um yes you we started recording the podcast today but you know you said we talk about this first we talked about this and that wasn't true therefore now the argument has been compromised so keep that shit in mind google more logical fallacies i'm sure a lot will help you yes oh my god that's so important Mm -hmm. and also what you're saying reminds me of i think a common argument trend and a common argument pattern that happens is one person will prioritize emotion and then the other person will prioritize logic Mm. and the entire argument just like spirals and no one ever comes to a conclusion and there's just no there's just no definitive end to the argument because one person is like well this is what logically happened like this is what happened and the other person is like i don't care what happened this is how i feel like communicate with your partner what you tend to prioritize so that 
before going into arguments or like during a fight, you can already align your two perceptions. And Absolutely. it's just not it's just not wild. Oh, I think we've said it in, in another podcast before, but think about what your best case scenario is for the end of um, the argument. Like, do you just want to mm. be heard? Do you want an apology? Do you want somebody to show you ways in which you're going to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah. How do you want this to be resolved? And that'll help you argue or discuss more effectively. There really yeah. isn't any point going in raw talking about, I don't know what I want. I just want to talk about it now. Take yeah. the time. Your argument isn't going anywhere. So that's that on that. The next question is, can getting back with an ex ever be beneficial? What do you think about this one? Um, I guess it depends. Uh, My pride won't allow for it. Me too. (laughs) um, I would say it depends on why you broke up. If it's just bad timing, you know, if it was nothing that was, you know, rooted in abuse or manipulation or, you know, anything like that. If it's just like a circumstantial thing, sure, why not? Um, I would definitely start to analyze and be really weary of what you want with someone who was in your life and is being removed for a reason. Yeah. Let's not forget how he once felt in those moments because there's nothing worse than moving three steps back you know, for someone who you, who you thought had matured in a way that they haven't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it technically can be beneficial, but there are enough people in the world that you shouldn't have to. Yeah, I don't... I guess it's about, like, what are you looking for in that relationship? So if you left because there was no love left in the relationship and you're going back looking for love, the math isn't adding up. Like, what are you expecting to find when you go back to your ex? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's what we need to be thinking about before going back to our exes. That's an easy one. But just do what feels right because I don't... <laughs> there's a lot of performativity that ha- that comes with making the quote-unquote right decision. The one mm. that's, I guess, like more morally digestible um, by people who <laughs> don't have any stake in your relationship. So um it sounds cliche but these cliches are popular for a reason do what feels right and stick yeah and stick by your decision as well my concern with um Bobo and I being the benchmarkers for your decision making is that if it doesn't work out as intended then it's then you might think it's not your fault because we told you to do it so Mm. definitely (laughs) think about what you want um and like life is too short the world is ending Go get a hug from your ex if you need it. Yeah, like, do what you need to do. Mm. Um, And also, with questions like this, like, can getting back with an ex be beneficial? It is so broad and so vague (laughs) that any answer we give you is going to be broad and vague in response. Yeah. That also goes for podcast topic suggestions. If you say, hey, talk about the environment. Am I talking about the change in weather? Am I talking about the deviation, (laughs) you know, of degrees? Am I talking talking about about Greta? Am I talking talking about Greta? Are we talking about pollution? Are we talking about climate change? Are we talking about whaling? Are we talking about, you know, (laughs) like it's really important that, (laughs) again, just be a little bit more specific. So a question like this is, can getting back with an ex be beneficial if you've broken up for X, Y, Z reason? Or, you know, give us something so we can add value. I don't like feeling useless. Yeah, otherwise it's not helpful. No. That's true. Um, Here's a question about clownery. (laughs) How do you balance forgiveness and clownery? If your significant other does something that hurts you slash disrespects you, when does forgiving them become too generous? How much can the context of a relationship affect this before we are just disrespecting ourselves? Longevity, living situation, kids, etc.? How do Great we look question. around the love and make sure we are upholding our own selves as well? This is such a good question. So well articulated. Yeah. Love that. Um, <laughs> clownery is a state of being. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all exist in it. I would say clownery is very short-term gain, um, mm. instant gratification. And we all know that's not sustainable. You know, you go out, you have some McDonough, you're full for three minutes and then you are ravenous like you haven't eaten in 16 weeks. So yeah. clownery is definitely, it prioritizes an immediate feeling of satisfaction for, you know, both parties, but often the other party and not you. So that is clownery. 
Um, when you're prioritizing somebody else's feelings over, you know, the dynamic, I think that is clownery. I would yeah. say personally, forgiveness is a really deliberate, conscious decision um, to kind of yes. shake off those feelings of like resentment you have for someone, regardless mm. of whether, like, regardless if their if their actions dictate it. So you know, I forgiveness wouldn't would be going into a conversation understanding that regardless of what they're saying, you have it in your heart, mind, body, and soul to yeah. release all that resentment. If how you feel about them, or if your forgiveness wavers on what they might say or yeah. what they might do then this clownery yeah and the because you have to, to forgive for yourself exactly not for the other person and the issue with not and the, <laughs> the only way to transition clownery into forgiveness <laughs> is to let the other person in on this internal dialogue you're having you know mm. their action shouldn't dictate whether or not you forgive them but you still need the context as to why also what was the last bit of the question about the living situation thing? Like, how does that context yeah. feed into it? How much can the context of a relationship affect this before we are just disrespecting ourselves as far as longevity, living situation, kids, etc.? I mean, look, I'm gonna, there is yeah, no it's, limit. There yeah, is no it's limit. all very subjective, but I don't think that you need to use context as an excuse to stay inside your clown suit you know what yeah. i mean come out for air it's nice out here yeah i feel like a lot of people use context as a way to like cling on to their comfortability mm-hmm. instead of just like liberating themselves and you don't need to do that do you always have a choice you don't and isn't forgiveness like the hardest thing to do generally i don't think yeah. we've really been allowed to acknowledge that forgiving somebody is hard work especially if what they've done to you warrant you even thinking about whether or not you can forgive them yeah um, just what would be clownery though is deciding to forgive them or deluding yourself that you are available emotionally available enough to forgive them while still holding resentment because yeah. if i've been told that i've been forgiven personally i'm chill you know what i mean i'm not going to be yeah. here mindful of behaving in, in certain ways or walking on eggshells to appease you if you've said i've been forgiven yeah. so if you turn around and start to resent a person that you said you've forgiven because you haven't communicated ways in which you'd like this conflict to be resolved and the clown suit is gold it's pressed and it's yours to die are you the joker (laughs) no truly you are a court jester (laughs) you really are no you really are is there room for ultimatums like when it comes to forgiveness you know what i mean Like, if someone that you love just continues to do something, do you think it's ever viable to be like, if you don't stop doing this, I'm leaving? Um, you know what? I think in this instance, I don't know who posted it. Maybe it was Bakundwa. Maybe it was Anima. Um, but there was a table on Instagram story, which, um, sort of pointed out the difference between ultimatums and consequences. And Mm. ultimatums don't take into consideration, they're threats generally they you know (laughs) they put the fear in someone to wield them into submission and that is dangerous territory and it's a fearful place to exist in consequences generally tell you what the consequence of this action will be so if you do not do this this is how i'm going to respond if you continue to disrespect me in front of my friends and family i'm going to i'm going to stop inviting you to these events that's a consequence as opposed to saying you're not coming to these events anymore if you don't behave Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah i see what you mean it's a different energy it's a different energy and one has a a like a resolution in mind and the other is to instill fear or to you know strengthen that power dynamic yeah um and i do think one is rooted in your own standards come on now while the other tries to control the other person Mm -hmm. which you can't ever do yeah consequences are fair and it's important people know um how far you're being pushed to deal with their bullshit it's very important Mm. but also you can't assume an issue that i've been um hearing from my friends a lot is or, or how do i explain this so i have a lot of friends who come to me with just general life queries career queries relationship queries and when they come to me it's almost as like they've spent all their energy telling people about the salute about the problem that they think that they've tackled the problem with that same energy 
So you're coming to me mm. telling me how your boyfriend's trash, your boyfriend's trash, your boyfriend's trash, telling your friends, your family, whatever, your boyfriend's trash, but you've yet to tell your boyfriend that he's trash. So when you eventually do, <laughs> oh you come God. to him with the energy of someone who's so exhausted from telling yeah. him constantly, but you haven't at all. Similarly, you know, when you're in Korea, oh, my boss is a narcissist, my boss is a narcissist, what should I do, what should I do, what should I do, blah, blah, blah. You get to confronting your boss and you can't even manage your emotional output because you've you've invested so much emotionally without tackling the actual problem. So that's also really important. Be mindful of how you're of how much energy you input into the periphery of a situation instead of the core of the issue. Yes. I need that on a t-shirt. We need to get to the core quicker because we're going to send ourselves into an early grave, earlier than climate change will, if we don't get it together. Yeah. And it's just not worth it. Like, for what? For what? I think we have time for one more question. Is the honeymoon stage a real thing? And if so, what do you do when you feel like you are stuck and in a rut? Wait, you in a rut in the honeymoon stage or after the honeymoon stage? I, I think th- in the honeymoon stage. Okay, so I do think the honeymoon stage is real, but Me I too. do I do think it's <laughs> it probably is the most frivolous part of a relationship because both people are still performing. Like if you were mm. if you were in a dynamic where you assume that it can't get it can't go bad or can't or there's no room for conflict, then you aren't seeing each other as you are. It's just yeah. not it's not it. Conflict or disagreements are healthy <laughs> to a point and it's important to understand that your projections of a person aren't more important than the person themselves mm. and i think the honeymoon period is very projection projection oriented so the honeymoon stage is real i think to avoid getting stuck in a rut and getting bored is to acknowledge that and to prepare yourselves for that it's so cute to be like this is super cute and blah blah and I'm loving it but also let's prepare for the real world where I can't prioritize (laughs) you over my job and my friends and my family when I can't prioritize this dynamic over shit I already had had happening you know that's the really mature conversation um but enjoy the honeymoon period that shit's wild it is when do you know that it's over like when you're back to regularly scheduled programming (laughs) (laughs) when you're back there trying to you know spend five hours watching netflix you know when you're back to like letting your sleep sleep crusts develop you know when you're not concerned with being cute all the time you know for some people it's when you take off your wig when you're having sex for some people it's when you stop wearing makeup all the time for some people it's when you know you stop hiding when parts you of yourself performing. in favor yeah it's yeah. when yeah it's when you remind yourself that clowns have work hours too and clowns <laughs> need to clock off you know <laughs> facts as facts mm. wow no facts How and i think period is just like delusion city you know it's cute yeah but it's like enjoy it you know but also know that mm-hmm. and i struggle with this too is men getting comfortable like my last relationship ended when the honeymoon phase ended because I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. (laughs) Whoever you're dating has to stay putting effort in forever. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to be with someone who understands that this is a journey. It's not a destination. Like, just because now we're officially in a relationship, that doesn't mean you can take your socks off and relax. (laughs) She said, wear your shoes in the house. (laughs) Be ready to work at all times. (laughs) Put your gumboots back on and get to stepping. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's so important that you communicate that you need these things also because I can totally understand why somebody would think it's plausible to get comfortable once they have bagged you. Of course. Why am I trying to work extra, you know, (laughs) overtime? Totally understand that. So like with all things, I personally feel like you can only villainize somebody so much if you haven't done the work of giving them an FYI. This is yeah. what I, this is the standards that I hold myself to. And therefore these are the standards I'm, you know, proposing that you hold yourself to. If yes. that's not appropriate, then we shouldn't be together. I yeah. always tell people, everyone gets the same energy from me. There is no weak dynamics in my relationships. If you are listening and my dynamic with you is weak it's probably because it probably is it's not a priority to me that's very simple <laughs> those are a priority you get the same energy i'm available i'm here to listen there are no there's no stepping in in um what's a, what's the word i'm looking for there's no dropping in terms of input it's consistent 
Mm. If I'm being inconsistent, it's because the dynamic is not important to me. So check your person if they're slipping. And generally, if you feel like they're not into you, it's probably because they're not, hey? Yeah, you're not a priority and that's fine. The sooner you know, the better. And that's that on that. I think we've covered um, the core questions. This will be not the last dating episode, but it's going to be a while until we have another dating one. Or maybe it won't. We'll see. We'll We'll see. see how we're feeling. We're excited. So stay tuned. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. And make sure to join our Facebook group to create the conversations that you want to participate in. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.